Well, welcome back, everyone, to another edition of Between, we're calling this Between Two Pastors right now. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, as always, I'm your host, Ed, and I am here with uh, a guest this morning. Can you introduce yourself? Pastor Dave, I'm in the studio with Ed at, at an appropriate social distance. Yes, our table is probably six feet, if not seven feet, but we're sitting even further back. Yes, I think we're, we've exceeded the six-foot yeah. guideline. We've got the sneeze guard and the splash guard up and everything. So, mm-hmm. um, Pastor Matt is preaching this week, and so um, I told him that he could have the podcast time off, but um, he also may or may not have not heard the sermon yet. <laughs> Last weekend was—I uh, I learned after the fact— it was a bit of an ordeal for you to put last weekend service together. It was. I. Um, it was. Um, it. So I. So, what a weekend that was! Uh, a little bit of a behind-the-scenes look um, at hmm. how well we're doing everything here, uh, and uh, you know, just just keep in mind that we didn't go to school for this stuff. So. <laughs> If we if we do this bad at like leading worship in the Bible, you should worry. But um, so the sermon on Sunday, yes, yeah, that was recorded at one a.m. <sighs> in the sanctuary alone, um, which is why the lights were too bright. I just cranked them up. I uh, didn't have anybody there with me, mm-hmm. um, and I uh, and I and I gave the sermon, and then I and then I went home to sort of edit some things around because as I've discovered, um, there are these things that can happen in sermons when people aren't watching you. Uh, and one of them is a lot of yawning. Um, hmm. I had a fear when I started public speaking that I would yawn a lot because I don't know, it just seems like, you know, you yawn when you're doing other stuff and that'd be so weird. And then it turns out you never yawn. Do you ever yawn leading worship? Not that I can remember, yeah. not that I'm aware of, no. And I, uh, in watching the service last Sunday, I don't remember seeing any yawns. Although n- once I understood that you were doing it at one and two in the morning, I um, I'm surprised. And especially, it's hard to to preach to an empty room. That's really hard to do, yeah. let alone at at two one in the morning. Yeah, uh, it was a uh, it was it was a very strange experience. And I what I've learned is that. I think that there's something about a, a room full of people mm-hmm. that kind of adds sort of some adrenaline. And oh, yes. for some reason you don't yawn, <laughs> um, which is why you've probably never done it leading worship, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and so, but I've learned that that is an example of the kind of thing that happens when you're preaching to an empty room. And then you go, I'm probably gonna have to edit that out. So anyway, I had to go home. I had to edit some of it. And then um, I um, I added it. The last thing I did was I, you know, Pastor Dave has, um, has he met with a team, a worship team before mm-hmm. the six foot rule. Be very clear. <laughs> they were not violating it. And they recorded, a, you met with two worship teams yes. in one night. Yes. And, and they had kind of a marathon. Recorded a bunch of songs. And we just uh, made long files with our rehearsal followed by our performance. And then the fiasco, part of the fiasco from last weekend is 
is that you had uh, downloaded the wrong piece, that is the rehearsal. Mm-hmm. And it, what was awful is it looks like I was on my phone the whole time <laughs> yeah. that we were singing the song. And, and I was. I was it. using the, the app that lets us adjust volume levels. <laughs> yeah. So I was fine-tuning, but it looked terrible. I felt bad. Well, and yeah. and uh, I, I couldn't understand how you could uh, see not see that mistake. But once I understood what happened, then it, it's fully understandable. Uh, that's very nice of you to say, Dave. Um, yeah, Dave not only looked like he was on his phone, but he looked like whoever he was texting, he really couldn't even decide if he wanted to be texting them. But really, that was him <laughs> adjusting volume levels on his phone. Yes. So <laughs> it looked extra bad. Um, I promise everyone that if you get it, Dave gets a text from you, his face lights up. He's very excited. He, he looks a lot more excited than he did there. But Sunday was... Uh, Sunday and Saturday it were, was a were a fiasco crazy in days. many ways. Yeah. And what I was telling Dave before, this does have some spiritual content, everybody. So please hang in there. Um, what, I was, <laughs> what I was telling Dave before when we were just talking right now was it was a very difficult um, message to give in that um, I was doing, it felt like I was doing the exact opposite of what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, as a, as a, as a pastor, you have to accept that there's going to be a certain amount of, I'm not perfect at whatever I'm talking about when you preach and be okay with that. But this was an instance where, uh, as I'm talking about how God's power is better than our own and he he wants to sort of use the holy spirit to empower us to do things um i'm i'm feeling very much like i'm like i'm sort of living on my own power you know i'm Mm -hmm. i'm I'm literally like running on fumes going i have to get this done i have to do this i have to do this and i have to do this and i got to get this done and so it's no surprise that it kind of fails but um in you just the whole time you're going are there any ways in which you did sense the help of the holy spirit Last weekend, I I think that uh, absolutely without a doubt, preaching the word is uh-huh. is is a um, incredible example of how the Holy Spirit uses something that you do, and and gives it much more power. Because I really I really did feel like what um what i'm trying to i i i knew what needed to be communicated out of the word i had no idea how to communicate it i i didn't have the words i didn't have the focus i didn't have the the uh it just it just felt like this is just the worst you know most confusing most strange all over the place message mm-hmm. and then to hear from so many people that that it was like a very like encouraging and helpful message where God spoke to them. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is absolutely any any preacher should be able to say when when I when I know when I know like how good that seemed to me. Uh-huh. How like effective of a job of communicating that it seemed to me. And then when other people tell me how the message affected them, there's no way that that could be caused by anything other than just the Holy Spirit takes this thing mm-hmm. and uses it to speak to people in the way that God wants to speak to them. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think a lot of people probably think of pastors as, you know, like, well, they're professional speakers, and so they're going to say the right thing. It's it's different than it is for me. I think we know exactly better than anybody what it's like to feel like you're saying the wrong thing and um, God's still using it. In, in the way that he wants to. Hmm. So, yeah, absolutely. It's the grace of God that he uses even our weakest performances to for good purposes. And in fact, in our weakness, sometimes he shows his greatest strength. 
that's yeah. biblical and I, i've experienced it and, I, and i'm i'm praying that the lord did that last weekend mm-hmm. it was not our our shining <laughs> moment as a church and yet god still worked because he's faithful to his word i think yeah well this is a time when we are saying church will not be what we are most comfortable uh, you know yes. doing but even when you think you're ready for that, then something like this happens where you're like, that is a rehearsal that I'm watching right now. I cannot believe this is happening. You go, yeah, I really didn't think it'd be this bad. And, um, but I, I had texts, I had a text from somebody the same time I was reading yours and, and another text from someone. I, I got a text that was talking about the message and how God spoke to them and how he had used it to, to mm-hmm. speak to them. And, um, I, I, which is very, very common. I, I think it's very it's very much the case that the messages that I most like um, that I thought were my best Uh are the ones that I have probably gotten some of the least feedback on. Mm -hmm. And the ones that I kind of thought were like, "Eh, you know, I don't know. I didn't feel like there was anything special in the department on that um, were the ones that people said, God, God used that to to communicate something to me. Mm -hmm. So, Hmm. you know, so it was quite a weekend. Yes, it um, was. And we're still getting the, the kinks worked out uh, in our messages. But um, on Sunday, we started our new series, and it was in Acts. And we started in Acts chapter 1, and um, we talked about this last interaction Jesus has with his uh, disciples, the apostles, before um, his ascension. And Dave, you had a couple of things that kind of came to mind um, that you wanted to talk about or yeah. ask? There are several things that, that I've been thinking about and wondering about out of this passage. Uh, I, it's just a really important scripture. And one of the things that I did as I was uh, reading, reviewing, in fact, I listened to the podcast this morning to listen to your message again, because I listened to it late in the day on Saturday and not with the as good of attention as I normally would. Um, so... I, uh, I listened again this morning and, and got more out of it the second time than I did the first time. So that's, that's interesting that that can happen. Um, but but I, I was thinking about Jesus' final words, because that's what I think uh, Acts chapter 1 gives us, the final words before he goes up to heaven, and they must be really important. But then I also remembered that Luke wrote those down and that Luke is also the author of the book of Luke, um, so I looked back to the finish of the, the book of Luke, which is kind of the, the lead-in to the first chapter of the book of Acts. Luke mm-hmm. chapter 24 is a fascinating chapter. The, th- the details that Luke includes there include the resurrection and the witness of Jesus' resurrection by the women and then the disciples going back to find the tomb. And then he tells the story and why he includes this story well, I think it's a beautiful story, the, the Emmaus Road encounter. And then he leads up to Jesus' final words there, and they're some of the same words that are given in the book of Acts. So I see the repetition of some of those key words, especially about being witnesses hmm. that come in Luke 24 and then that get reiterated in the book of Acts. And whenever Scripture repeats something, you, you should pay more attention to it. So, and it is interesting that you say that because one of the things that I hadn't focused on in the message was what they say when they are appointing a new apostle, Yes, um, how they describe the job. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that they describe it as, um, what is it? He says, um, 
it says in verse 22, beginning from, well, he says in verse 21, 22 of Acts chapter one. So one of the men who have, um, so one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out amongst us, beginning Mm -hmm. from Mm -hmm. the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. That they describe that as the job of the apostle. And the emphasis placed in this time of the church, the starting of the church, that we have to have people who are dedicated to the job of, I witnessed what happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I saw it. I was a part of it. I can speak to it. Um, it's just, it's so, um, it is so interesting. I mean, far beyond interesting, but just, it's so, it means so much that they, that they saw that that this specific job and what Jesus was calling these guys to do specifically that's different from what other people since them have been called to do is you saw these things happen and so you need to testify to the validity of them you need to testify to what happened and those are the very things that Jesus said in Luke 24 also Luke 24 verse 46, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. And then just a a verse later, verse 48, you are witnesses of these things. Mm -hmm. So evidently the disciples began to understand during those 10 days in the upper room the importance of what Jesus had done and that they needed to be witnesses of what they had seen. And in a sense, Jesus, the gospel of Jesus, was in these first years on trial like it was Mm. it was on trial Mm -hmm. it was being proven and Mm -hmm. tested and it was being tested probably more than anything in the jewish church in the jewish faith but then um because for them it was a matter of is this really a cult um we're going to talk about that a lot in acts i mean like the Mm. the absolute assumption that most people had was this was a very strange extreme cult of people um and the fact that Jesus is preparing them for you're going to be giving witness like someone on the stand. Yes, these things happen. Yes, these things happen. And and a lot of apologists will tell you that um, it isn't just the fact that these men um, gave their lives for this thing, but it's the fact that they physically witnessed it and gave their lives for it because religions throughout mm-hmm. history are filled with people who have martyred themselves yes but always from something they heard from another person you can you can it's strange like you can believe to the point of giving your life for something that it happened because someone told you and so while you haven't been given proof that it happened you certainly haven't been given proof that it didn't happen because it came from someone else's words the possibility that the apostles uh knew like this didn't really happen we're just going to say it did Mm -hmm. um and then gave their lives for it they would be choosing to give their lives for something they knew was false it it defies uh common sense to think that that is even a possibility and it's the only religion that 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 is the case Mm -hmm. where you have people who were in the position of having witnessed these events giving their lives for the events not Mm -hmm. living great lives of wealth and abundance and being like the the priest who goes about building this big glorious church for themselves they're a part of it's like you know, crucify me upside down kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So it speaks a lot to the validity of what happened with Jesus and and the and the you know, his crucifixion, his resurrection. That idea of, of being witnesses is the is the main theme 
that you brought out in the message on Sunday and that is central to the the book of Acts. But but I have a, a side question mm-hmm. that yeah. I've just been curious about. When Matt was reading the scripture on Sunday, and then again when I reviewed it today, it's puzzling to me that this detail about Judas's end uh, is included. Why did Luke in, include that ugly, uh, painful uh, detail? I, I, and I understand that part of it was to set up the the election of Matthias yeah. as the replacement re- apostle, but still, it's really icky. And why is that in there? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that the and the and the best I could suppose it's because Luke sets out, as he says, um, to give the most thorough and accurate account. And so, as a doctor, as somebody who is um, very systematic in his approach to things, he's maybe even thinking less of like themes and concepts and ideas, and thinking more of. Uh, if someone has a question about this thing, I want to be able to have a thorough answer for it. You know, mm. I want to be able to say, here's mm-hmm. what happened to this guy. Here's where this thing led. Here's what happened to somebody who was an apostle and wasn't, you know, and was had false motives or whatever. Um, I mean, he seems to have a real, pe- people consider Luke's gospel to be the really systematic, comprehensive one. They consider um, Acts to be very systematic and comprehensive. So uh-huh. um, in that sense, I think you'll, you'll see a lot of, details that are sort of weirdly specific and even things that were already talked about, you know. I suppose it gives more immediacy and a, a sense of validity to to the story when you include details like that. Yeah, it's the little things hmm. that, <laughs> that show you that these are personal accounts, personal recollections of things. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty gruesome. Hmm. Uh, the um, the two main points of this um, of this message really were first that the apostles came to Jesus asking essentially for um, for to finally be able to experience the power that he had. Yes. Um, and, and I noticed how Jesus redirected. Their question was, okay, Jesus, are you going to set up your kingdom now? Mm-hmm. And they were really excited about that, that possibility. They were thinking politics. Mm-hmm. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. But Jesus redirects their question, and he doesn't, he doesn't really even answer it. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. He redirects. And isn't that interesting that Jesus does that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he mm-hmm. is constantly redirecting, and that's because... That's partly, I, I think so much of that is because the wrong question is being asked. Yes. And that's what you have in this case. Hmm. Um, it isn't a case of them saying, Jesus, when we want to finally experience your power. And him saying, uh, no, I don't want you to. It's hmm. him saying, you're, you're, you're wanting to experience my power by being a part of a kingdom where you can finally just, you know, not be persecuted and, and, and outcast and what Israelites have been for so long, I, um, I, I intend for you to experience this power in a completely different way, um, which involves redirecting them and yes. saying, you're going to be given a power um, that, is, that is far, uh, you're, you're going to be given a, a role and a place in this to experience God's power in a way that's far beyond just, I'm a part of a kingdom um, uh, where God serves and I know that we're on the winning team, you know? <laughs> so I think that question of, um, and I think that idea of we we think that it's bad to want power 
from God, want to experience God's power. And yes. absolutely, people pervert it constantly, um, you know, saying, oh, God wants you to have power. God wants you to be successful and powerful and all these things influence. Um, uh, but um, what you see in this instance, in this interaction is they, um, they don't, they're not expecting enough um, from Jesus and from God. Um, they are setting their sights too low. Yes. They're passively wanting to be a part of enjoying his kingdom. Yes. And he's saying, I, I, I intend for you to be a part of this kingdom and I intend to empower you to do things. That's convicting. Connects. Well, this idea obviously connects very heavily with the next one, which is that he ultimately says, instead of you guys getting to enjoy being a part of my kingdom, I, I'm giving you a job to do. Mm-hmm. And I described it as a bait and switch. <laughs> uh, you sign up for one thing and then you get roped into another thing. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel that, I do think that that happens in the life of, of most believers. I know very few people who I think came to faith because they wanted to reach other people with the gospel. Yes. Um, that part of it seems like, oh, what now? Um, a little bit of a bait and switch. And we experience that as a church that talks a lot about being sent, that most people don't actually want to be sent. They they are wanting to enjoy the kingdom of God here. Do you have um, any kind of a, of a memory of a time in which God, uh, maybe even early on in ministry, when God showed you the superiority of reaching others or blessing others over being blessed by God yourself. Uh, you know, a time mm-hmm. when, when you recognized, you know, as much as I want to get out of this for me, mm-hmm. I see far greater blessing in other people. Um, I'm remembering an experience I had as a college student, um, I, I think I, I really became, began to become a leader um, in high school, in my youth group. And then when I got to college, um, my second year, I, I was elected by the choir as the choir chaplain. And I took that, that, that was an honor to be chosen that way. And I took the role um, as a, uh, it was kind of a daunting responsibility f- for this introvert. Um, but I remember the first devotional that I had responsibility to lead. And um, I, I, wanted, I wanted to do well. I, you know, part of it as a musician, I'm a performer. I wanted to perform well. Um, but I also recognized that I needed the Lord's help to do it more than just in my own strength. And, and I was earnestly seeking the Holy Spirit's guidance and help in preparing this devotional that I was going to do. And I felt like I had that. I, I gained some insights that surprised me and uh, that were seemed valuable to me. And then I wanted the Holy Spirit's help to communicate those insights in a way that would have impact too. Um, and when the devotional came, I was surprised, even though I'd asked for it, I was surprised at what an impact that devotional had. Hmm. Um, and, and I think that was, for me, an early experience of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit for a particular task where the, the outcome was much greater than I could have imagined in my own power or strength. Hmm. That, that, that was 
formative for me as a young college student. Um, building on that a little bit, as a person involved in the world of music, uh, there is, to be a creative person um, is synonymous with self-expression and identity. Um, if you're a musical person, a creative person, um, in that sense, you feel the most yourself of, of the creatives. I know married to one, um, mm -hmm. you feel the most yourself when you're using your gifts, when you're expressing these things. Uh -huh. right? And so, um, can you maybe share a little bit about how, because as a worship pastor, you are called not to primarily just do what you want to do. Uh, like a musician, a, a recording artist can, uh, they're about, they're entirely about, you know, expressing themselves as best as they possibly can mm -hmm. and trying to get people to be receptive to that. What you're trying to do is to do something else. You know, you're, you're getting on stage but not being trying not to be the focus of what's on stage. You're you're trying to use gifts, but you're trying to get out of the way at the same time. How does that work? That um, or do you feel like that's a struggle? Do you feel like that's been a struggle? Is there's been tension of um, I want to um, be fulfilled by or you know express myself in these ways for me for what it feels like to me for my life, for my kingdom, for my world, for my glory versus God. This is what it would look like for this to build God's kingdom. And I might think of like a better way to ask that because <laughs> that's kind of all over the place. But, you know, I think it's a, I'm wondering if you, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of examples. There's like right now what's going on with like your transition. There's, there's the idea of, of a, of a worship leader who's not primarily up there just to like, um, uh, musically play really well and, and do really well and be recognized by people, but to like lead a congregation in worship, you know? I think the way I, I attach to what you're asking is, um, I've been working for years to try to double track as a worship leader. On the one hand, I must pay attention to the musical details, to the balance and blend of the people that I'm working with in leading, to the response of the room to what we're doing. So all of those uh, musical and worship details I must pay attention to. At the same time, I am double tracking, that is, I'm here not just as a leader, but as a worshiper myself. And sometimes it feels like those two roles, those dual roles are happening at the same time, but they're in conflict with each other. Because how can I give my undivided attention to the Lord at the same time that I'm giving, divide, my attention is divided because I'm paying attention to musical details too. So that's been a challenge for me. Um, to, to double track in that way. And I think over with practice and with prayer, um, I have begun to learn how to do that. 
That is to both pay attention to the musical details, but also give primary attention and focus to who I'm doing this for. Hmm. And part of it is uh, being less self-conscious and more God-conscious. That's that's what I that's been part of my journey, learning how to be less self-conscious, which is not that's hard for me, mm-hmm. and to be more God-conscious. Have you experienced um, this as a struggle for other people? In uh, you know, as a worship pastor, you're uh, you have this worship team that you're constantly working with. Yes, and I'm sure you have. I'm sure you see so many times that desire for self glorification, that mm-hmm. desire for. Being a church singer, being involved in this thing is my way to just shine. Yes. And yet your job is not to make them shine. Your job is that God shines and that people like see that they want to worship this God. Um, I mean, how do you navigate and deal with that throughout Mm -hmm. these years? I think just as I must be very patient with myself because I don't get it right a lot of the time, so I have to be patient with others too. As musicians, we are performers. So sometimes that performance motivation helps us and sometimes it gets in our way. So to be patient with that, um, I think to, to model well, to help show the way just by my own example is, is really important and valuable. Um, and I keep coming back to prayer. Uh, God is able to do things that I can't do. I remember Brent and I used to pray for his son, Drew, when Drew first got started as a musician. And he was playing the guitar and had some phenomenal guitar skills early on. Uh, but I remember when Brent and I started to pray that Drew would not only be a musician, but also a worshiper. And God answered that prayer. Over the years, this um, introvert, uh, Drew is very much an introvert, but to see how he became expressive as a worshiper was a marvelous thing to see. And it was an answer to our prayers. So all of that to say, I come back to prayer as being a means by which God works to accomplish sometimes phenomenal things. Um, and that, and that's, uh, I think that's necessary in worship when it comes to worship too. God wants our worship to be helpful to others. And so he answers our prayers to that end. Hmm. I think that it's not a coincidence that we are going through acts at a time when we really do have to... Um, trust so much more that God's just going to use even just the worship service that we send out now. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's no way of knowing how anything is received. There's no way of knowing how anything impacts anybody. I mean, you don't even have a nodding head in the room to yes. indicate you don't have a Bill Vermillion amen. You know, you don't have a <laughs> Uh, you don't have anything to go off of. There's not much feedback in the the moment on a weekend. Yeah. And and so we, um, 
the degree that we are having to, to trust that the Holy Spirit is empowering the church right now mm-hmm. at a time when we are at our, what absolutely feels like our weakest. I mean, I think we are feeling so weak in terms of all of the tools that we have are, mm-hmm. don't work yes. this way. Mm-hmm. And all of the, quite literally, sometimes the the computers don't work, you know, the, the, <laughs> yes, the instruments don't cooperate and the, the it's, so I don't think it's a coincidence that, that God's bringing us through this as a church at a time when, you know, it's so easy to talk about the, maybe the power of the Holy spirit or, or how it empowers us when we are in control and we like what's going on and we're able to use our own power a lot. This also feels like a season to me of waiting rather like what the disciples were in, in those days between Jesus' ascension and the, the coming of the Holy Spirit. There was this, a period of waiting where there wasn't too much to do yet other than wait. Wait and pray is what they did. And they did some things like naming Matthias, but mostly they, it says they were constantly together in prayer. And right now we're in a season of waiting too, mm-hmm. where we're, social distancing and staying apart from one another. We're not together constantly at all. In fact, we're separated other than what we can do online. Um, but we, should, we, sh- we need to use this time of waiting also to seek the Holy Spirit just as they did. Mm-hmm. Because I think the time will come when the period of waiting will be over and there will be an increased opportunity for something new from the Holy Spirit. That's, that's what I'm looking for and watching for. But even while waiting, we're still supposed to be witnesses, I think, mm-hmm. because we're still, on, um, we're, we're still under Jesus' commandment to be witnesses. I'm trying to figure out how to do that with social distancing. It make, seems like it's harder, and yet there's also more opportunity because people are isolated and lonely and, and need attention. So... Um, uh, there, I'm, I'm kind of talking all over the place, but mm-hmm. I, I, I attach to this passage in, on several levels just in the season that we're in right now with the, with the pandemic. If nothing else, I know that our, our witness is being improved by the fact that this pandemic is overshadowing an election season because <laughs> we are at our worst during elections. That's true. <laughs> no one's talking about the election. Oh, so. yeah. That's, it yeah. feels like a reprieve, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think we are just about out of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to thank my special guest, Pastor Dave. Happy to be here. Uh, we are trying to decide who's going to read the news this week. Oh. And, uh, and it might be... I don't think it's going to be the regular guys because Matt's preaching, but, hmm. um, but we will see who knows. Um, maybe Ed will finally get to bring out the puppets. <laughs> um, we can hardly wait. Yeah. Um, so thanks again to pastor Dave. It's always good to have you here. Thank you. Um, we are still six feet apart. Uh, we're actually getting further apart as we talk. <laughs> um, and, um, we, um, again, a shout out to Caitlin who is not in the booth, but, um, is listening, uh, we hope. And, uh, that's why all the technical difficulties are happening around here is because <laughs> have a Caitlin. in Caitlin's absence. <laughs> yeah. In the control room. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I want to thank our sponsor for the week. I have to think of a good sponsor for this week. Um, well, how can you really 
even think of identifying any sponsor other than Zoom room meetings because (laughs) uh, Zoom is like, I was telling somebody today, man, they could like triple their their fees. (laughs) No kidding. They'd be hated by everyone, but gosh, they'd make so much money, you know, like we'd pay it. Um, so thanks to Zoom. And, and, and can I put in a plug for our Zoom prayer meetings? Yes. Uh, we'll have one this evening, seven o'clock, because uh, we're recording on Wednesday. Uh, we'll have a Wednesday evening prayer meeting and then a Zoom meeting on Sunday at six. And uh, we had 30 people, 30, yeah. 30 screens in the Zoom room last Sunday. So it, it's it's a way of praying together. Um, that we can do right now. I feel like when you advertise prayer things, you should either say a this prayer thing or this surprisingly well-attended prayer thing because <laughs> then it's like, oh, oh, wow, okay. Um, but yeah, that was, uh, I've had, I've had, I've heard from a few people who really, really got a lot out of that time. So uh, we're taking advantage of any, of any chance we get. And um, so, hey, we are so glad that we put a lot of effort into getting so many of you to subscribe to the podcast and to automatically get it on your phones and stuff, because now in this time, this communication is even, uh, I think, even more valuable. Mm-hmm. So hopefully it didn't feel like we wasted your time today. Um, so thanks again. And um, until next time, uh, shalom. Shalom. from my